I found that meditation before a show like helps me to, again, center, find more space, which, which we need in music to like let things unfold. And it helped me to find something, uh, some peace and clarity. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, Being ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously. And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. Garrett Dutton, a.k.a. G-Love, has been writing, touring, and performing music with his band G-Love and Special Sauce for over 28 years. Garrett developed his iconic sound and style from his humble beginnings in Philadelphia and Boston by mixing diverse influences such as blues folk icons Bob Dylan and John Hammond with old-school hip-hop acts like the Beastie Boys, Third Bass, and Eric B. and Rakim. Over their impressive and lengthy career, the band has built a loyal fan base and continue to entertain audiences with their signature funky blues alternative hip-hop sound. This is a super fun episode packed with wisdom and anecdotes from a lifetime on the road. Make sure you stay tuned all the way till the end for G-Love's exclusive and special performance of his Grammy-nominated song, The Juice. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome G-Love. Garrett Dutton, a.k.a. G-Love, welcome to being, my brother. Good to see you, man. Okay, good to see you, Mr. Cook. Right on, dude. It's been a little while, but uh, I count myself lucky to hung out to have hung out with you a couple times and performed with you a bunch of times, actually, here down in Costa Rica, which you're uh, a regular. Didn't make it this year, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I mean, I should thank you because you always save the gig because of your wealth <laughs> of uh, knowledge of so many hit songs. <laughs> and actually you've taught you've taught me some uh 
some good ones for the arsenal uh, i i always love uh coming back to um the royals tune yeah right it's such a great the, one yeah the lord tune yeah we rock yeah. it out in this kind of bluesy rock manner <laughs> yeah, super fun man. Yeah, dude. Well, I can say from personal experience, having hung out with you and performed with you, like you are a true artist, a great songwriter, fantastic performer, but even above and beyond that, you're just like an incredibly kind, down to earth, relatable, authentic human being and just filled with positive energy. So it's just a dream to be around you and to know you. Yeah, man. Really appreciate it. Well, um, sorry, but but before we get get going, can I just tell a quick story? Because you're in Costa Rica. Totally, and, dude. Go um, nuts. And this this has to do with our last gig that we played there. And okay. it, it probably won't have to do anything else with the rest of the podcast, but it, it's a story <laughs> that has to be told because uh, it's also a public apology uh, before I can show face <laughs> and, and no sorrow again. So we, okay. we, were, we, so, uh, we had, so we had Rich, Rich had put together the show for us uh, like he does every year or did every year. And, um, you know, the, the sh- we we are all jamming. We're jamming. We're jamming. It's getting late. It's getting late. And then, um, what was a, a Mar- Marahu comes on stage and she goes, "I gotta make an announcement." G, G- Tom, well, the owner of a white Toyota uh, hatchback with this license plate. Please move your car. You're blocking in five people. And then I saw I'd say on the mic, well, the owner of a of a white Toyota hatchback with this license plate, please move your car. You're blocking people in. Okay, it's Patrick counting the next tune. Let's go. <laughs> so we we you know we jam another 15, 20 minutes, and then Marihu will come up. Guys, th- someone's still blocking in. Someone's still blocking in. Make the announcement again. Marihu, I don't know what the fuck I say. You say it. All right. Well, the owner of the white Toyota shit. So this went on. So we ended up jamming till like, you know, two in the morning. And yeah. um, I, I must have made the announcements five times. Right. And yeah. I come, and finally, that's the that's it. It's the end of the gig. It must be two thirty. We've hung out afterwards. Uh, we we all the musicians said their goodbyes. Time to halt. So I walk my gear out to the white Toyota hatchback rental car with the license plate. And all these people who were at the show are like, it's this motherfucker. It's fucking G-Love has blocked us in all night long. I mean, this poor, I felt so bad. I was like, I had the key in my pocket the whole time. Oh, uh, dude. My only, my only thing I could say is that they told me to park there. And I said when at the beginning of the gig, are you sure you want me to park here? I'm blocking somebody in. They go, no, just park, yeah. just park there. <laughs> <laughs> so public Classic. apology i'm sorry and uh whoever i blocked in that night please forgive oh, man g love the parking kook <laughs> <laughs> the parking kook i love it oh man what a great night so many great nights with you in costa rica just an honor and a pleasure to jam oh, with you dude God. we had so much fun so i hope we get to do it again someday post you know, COVID madness and all that shit. Uh, but so much I want to ask you about, like, where are you at, man? Like, how are things going? Like you, like, I remember talking to you, you used to do like 150 dates a year touring. So that's gotta be a big change for you in the last year. How you been doing with that? Man, it's been, um, it's been crazy. It's, it's, to me, it's just been like a time to be fluid and kind of try to figure out what the next pivot is going to be. So, I mean, just to kind of sum that all 
up, you know, um, my, my band along with every other band in the land across all the lands all went home (laughs) from tour March 13th, 2020. Um, so I was on the plane home March 13th from Santa Barbara and, you know, kind of panicked that first weekend. And then, you know, we just said, look, what can we do? Um, yeah. my son's stepfather, Will Daly, who's a musician, uh, he started immediately doing like live streams and mm. donating half of the live stream income to a local, um, venue in Boston where he played. So I, he said, why, oh, don't, cool. you, why don't you do this nationally for all the venues that you play around the country and the world? Yeah. So we did that. We started that right away. So April, you know, March, April, and May were like live streaming. Plus, I was doing lessons online, um, songwriting sessions online. And so I had about like, you know, eight to 12 students a week, ranging cool. from like 10 year old kids to working Nashville musicians, wow. uh, either writing songs or teaching harmonica or guitar. Um, just that was, that was like, that was that was work <laughs> i told my wife I i'm bet. like i do not want to like as much as the connect the connection was great meeting everybody and the, the connections i made with all those kids and adults it was awesome I, it was just like i don't want to that's not what my, I, I love teaching but yeah it's not what i want to that's not what i really want to be doing so anyhow then springtime came and uh we we kind of pivoted into doing um some social distance shows up here in new england i'm on cape cod playing cool. the local brewery in town here they have an outdoor space so and then starting to do house parties so i got a mm. with the help of good people at bose i got a bose pa um and then we bought a sh- pre-owned Chevy Suburban <laughs> to put all <laughs> my, our rig in. And, nice. and so we were able to hit the road doing shows around New England. I put together a new band called G Love the Juice, which was a bunch of other shipwrecked musicians up here in New England. with some members cool. of Slightly Stupid. And then um, that took us through the summer and the fall. And then when it got cold, we, we went south and we did, we've done two tours now. Um, one to Virginia and back and one to Florida and back, uh, again, some social distance public shows and some social distance private shows. So now we're kind of like, um, hunkering down, but we're still doing a limited amount of private shows. And, and, you know, the last thing I'll say is that it's like every new chapter presents new opportunities if you're willing to like invest in the, what you need mm-hmm. to make it happen and totally. go out there and do it and just try, you know, obviously we want what everybody else wants. We want to get back to work. We, we don't want to be part of the problem. So we've been really like, uh, you know, we, we really show up in, in a safe manner and, and, um, you know, just try to be safe as possible. Yeah. So it, we're, awesome, the, dude. The musical community is shut down more than any other yeah. industry. Well, it's, it's one of the biggest industry. You know, one. I, I should say it's probably one of the last industries to go back to some normalcy. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been a tough year for sure for touring musicians and artists and of all ilks. Um, so that's really cool that you've had a chance to pivot. I think it's been an opportunity for everybody to sort of reevaluate and sure. sort of take stock. You know, whatever business you're in, whatever state of your life you're in, stage of your life, it's like, this is an opportunity. Okay, like what's really going on here? What right. What's important to me? What isn't important? Where can I be more focused, more grounded? Where can I do some inner work? You know, I think it's been a, a really great um, time for that for everybody. So it's really cool that to, to hear that you're sort of pivoting and, you know, re reinventing, reevaluating. And coming to some solutions that feel good for you, because you, you spent like what twenty five years on the road, dude. Yeah, like you're a more warrior. Uh, twenty eight, but I was just, <laughs> I was just looking at your microphone rig, which is the exact same rig as mine. <laughs> yes, and, it is. And so it's just an example of, um, you know, investing in the technology to be able to do what you're doing from yeah. home now, totally. um, and also just showing. You know, the fact, just the fact that we're here on a Zoom and the yeah. Zenster you're using for the audio and yeah. that, that that business is obviously doing well. And obviously this particular Shure SM7B has yes. probably uh, sold a lot of fucking units Dude. this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? the guys at Shure have had a good year. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, hilarious! I mean, not so awesome, much the, not so much the fifty eights, but yeah, this thing, <laughs> exactly. you know, what I mean, <laughs> fifty eight yeah, sales have crashed, but yeah, you know, these, these things, fuck, everyone's got yeah. For those not in the business, the fifty eight is like the gold standard for live vocals. So, and then the, the SM seven B seems to be the new gold standard for podcasting. I don't know. Joe Rogan uses it, so I guess sure. Cool. I'm sure. <laughs> but I'd love to hear. Like, I'm really curious. You know, when I talk to guests about their trajectory, about their journey, about their, their childhood and like how they came to be where they are now. So uh -huh. if you, if you wouldn't mind, like take us right back to the beginning, like were you supported in being creative as a kid? And then how, what was your first experience first exposure to music? How did you get into it? Wow. I mean, um, I, I will say that, you know, and, and it remains true to this day. Like my, my, my parents have been like my biggest supporters Oh, man, uh, they so gave awesome. me kind of gave me the springboard just in life and and certainly like supported kind of probably against their better judgment they kind of supported yeah. my dream of of trying to um of, of just well they supported my enthusiasm and love for music and then kind of like they supported against their better judgment like the dream <laughs> the dream and that i had like that i was like no i'm yeah. not gonna follow like a regular path of like going to college or uh and finding so a traditional did you know, work did you know really early that you know music was it for you i did you know i did patrick like uh well at least i i had that pipe dream and i knew i didn't want to have a regular job <laughs> <laughs> right and that's highly motivating <laughs> it is but yeah i mean i the story goes like this i, I was a good kid but i did cut cut school twice yeah <laughs> uh, and at one time was to finish a a a history paper um and we got busted for that and got suspended so i don't know what oh, that man. about so so you cut school because you want to do your paper but then right. you get suspended so you get a free day off anyhow <laughs> like what is what is suspension when you're a kid you're like oh i don't have to go to school today it's fucking awesome yeah. like my mom's pissed <laughs> off but so what uh, but the other time I cut school was to, I don't know, go on a little date with my girlfriend 
and uh-huh. sophomore year, I just I had my bag launched from my mom, and um, you know, I'm now that I'm adult, I, I'll admit my mother made my bag launched till I graduated high school. I love you, mom. Nice. Oh, dude, <laughs> that's tur- commitment. My that's- turkey and cheese sandwich, <laughs> and my uh, Doritos or whatever, and sitting dude, on the hill. Do you have with her my juice box? You have- you have her hauling gear for your first gigs too, man. My what? mom, nah, man. Come on. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I was sitting on the hill with my little girlfriend, and I just remember saying, "All I need is this bag launch and my guitar." That's it. But so, but it, yeah, so that was kind of a. I once I started writing songs, and like I had an urge to perform the songs in front of people mm. and record the songs, and I I never and a. Really early influence, profound influence to this day. John Hammond, uh, the oh, blues, yeah. the blues man. Oh, like, oh man, he was accessible, and I got to see him play at some small venues. Um, so in my mind, like, that was a music business that I could see that I could maybe achieve making one record mm. and touring, playing coffee houses. So that's mm. what kind of the goal was to make because. Bob Dylan and John Hammond, uh, my two biggest influences, made their first records both, I think, in 1962, um, yeah. and they both were 20. So I was like wow. 17, and I that was the goal. Like, okay, I have to make a record by the time I'm 20. That was that was the goal. So everything went into like that was. That was where I was trying to head, and I awesome. and I did, I did, I did get, it. I did get it, you know. Unbelievable! So that was, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. The, from the, I met my, I moved to from Philadelphia to, to Boston to be a street musician, uh, nineteen ninety two, because that was again, it was like the gig you could have that no one, yeah. you didn't have to ask anybody, yeah. right? You could just go <laughs> out on the street and start playing, and I knew from doing it in Philadelphia, I could make a little money. Yeah. Um, so that was like a small crack in the door to the music business. Right. And, um, that by that next, um, December of 92, I met my drummer. So the band was put together in January of 93. It was just a duo, Jeff, my drummer and me. And then we got Jimmy jazz on the bass. And then by nine months later, uh, or that next, that October, we we signed a deal with epic records wow so basically nine months later um and we had already completed half of the our the debut like g love and special sauce record that by then so wow pr- pretty pretty epic wow yeah you mentioned john hammond i got the the honor and pleasure of seeing him in toronto many years oh. ago at a, li- a little place called albert's hall any torontonians or canadians listening might recognize it it's above the brunswick brunswick house in toronto mm. super small venue and that just um, i'm getting chills remembering it yeah. right now dude what what a powerful performer and writer unbelievable and i can see now you know in your style a lot of his influence as well on like just that powerful bluesy harmonic you know like soul that you bring to your performances like really really cool dude yeah if there's a if anybody any listeners out there ever get a chance to see john hammond coming through town um yeah to me like his solo acoustic performance yeah you know it, it obviously changed my whole life trajectory and um and to see his performance you know his his foot stomping 
uh, the, mm. the the command over the guitar, vocals, yeah. and harmonica is is like nothing else. And then as, as far as he's really like he, it's also a journey down like the history of the blues because he plays so many renditions of um, yeah these classic tunes. It's pretty totally. pretty important. Uh, and and John's like um, he. I could talk for an hour just about John, but like <laughs> John's like a really unsung hero of the music yeah. business in the sense that like he introduced, well, the, the band, for instance, Robbie yeah. Robertson, and they, they were called the Hawks. The, yeah. They they were John Hammond's band, right? And then John Hammond introduced them to Bob Dylan because Bob and John were best friends. John's, right. John Hammond's father, John Henry Hammond, was the A&R guy who signed Bob Dylan. No to shit. To I didn't Columbia. know that. Yeah. Wow. So um it it there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff. Jimi Hendrix was a huge fan of John Hammond and played with John. Um and was it was at a John Hammond gig that uh in the village where uh whoever was the the English people that kind of got a hold of Jimmy and took him to England to, and they yeah. came back a star, but it was at a John Hammond show where Jimmy was like dis- discovered and contacted there. Wow. Uh, so a lot of like, um, uh, a lot of big things in rock and roll kind of happened, you know, through, through John Hammond. Although he, you know, he, 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 the, the major success that some of those people I spoke about kind of eluded him. But in that way, right. he's, yeah. he's, he's remained accessible. Yeah, totally. So you mentioned you were making that first record in 92. And did you, like the, the classic G-Love and Special Sauce sound um, of like that sort of bluesy, groovy, you know, white boy Philly rap like that, just you, you came up with this beautiful melange of different styles and genres and made it your own. And like it's just it's it's so iconic now. But in those first days, did you did you embody that? Like that just come to you naturally, or was it a conscious decision to go in that direction? Yeah, no, it was actually I had this lyric from the song called Product of the City, and it goes, It just really happened. No, it just kind of happened. It wasn't it wasn't thought up. This right. is the city, and I am the product. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like uh kind of you know, it, it's interesting. Did you ever read the book uh, um, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. So, so you know how like there's all these cool stories like what, why did Steve Jobs and yeah. uh, Bill Gates, you know, they were a couple years apart. They grew up 10 miles apart in this part of the Bay Area where Hewlett Packer was. So they were able to get, you know, Xerox machines or whatever out of the trash and start working and making computers, right? Yeah. So the same thing kind of happened in Philadelphia, like in, um, and kind of around the country um, in the early 90s. So if you think about, like, I'm 48. Um, so, you know, my generation kind of coming young teenage in the 80s, kind of, um, being the first fans of hip hop, right? If the Beastie yeah. Boys are like a little older and some of the rappers, LL or Karis one yeah. are probably like f- early fifties, right? So we're right, like the kids right. that were right, right after them. So yeah, cool. Um, so we kind of grew up listening to that hip hop and as the music 
of our generation, right? And then, yeah, you know, just kind of if you just speak, you know, frankly about hip hop as like as an art form, as a pure like um, it was an art form out of the black community. Is the music um, was you know um, it introduced a new instrument, the turntables, yeah, totally, right, totally, and um, and then had elements of like funk, which you know was again was part of the black um so any any the black music experience right so then yeah so the reason i bring it up was was that like you know um it, it was in that sense when hip-hop first came out there wasn't really many white rappers right there was the beastie boys and there was third base right yeah it was about it right so um so you know i found out about hip-hop um and I loved it, but I never like thought consider myself a rapper. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of it. So, but long story short is by the early '90s, I stumbled upon doing what I did just because I was a hip hop fan. Yeah. I also like grew up in Center City, Philadelphia, so I was part of like you know, and it, it was like everyone was break dancing or playing yeah. basketball, and then we went to graffiti writing and skateboarding. And these are all kind of like street culture like stuff, and um, and so then I. I started rapping this lyrics for this Eric B and Rock Him song over a blues riff I was playing, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's that's, that's like it. there's no one else that's doing that right now." Like, totally. I, 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 it was an epiphany on the quarter of second in Lombard, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "It's like the the light shone down yeah. on me," and oh. and I realized I was like, "I must be the only," you know, I don't know if I I feel like I realized it very clearly like i'm the only person doing this right now and meanwhile Damn. across town there was uh these two black kids uh amir Tom thompson and um tariq trotter aka black thought and quest love from the roots right you know they're um same graduating class 1991 they they um i think tariq was from south philly and Amir's from West Philly, but you know, literally like Philly's small. So they're probably yeah. <clears throat> 20 blocks or a couple of miles in either direction. They went to the creative Kappa, uh, creative performing arts school. So they, they had a different approach, right? They were trying to make with live instrumentation, mm. trying to make, recreate this process, hip hop sounds that they loved. Yeah. But again, no, it wasn't, Hip hop wasn't supposed to be a band. Right. Right. So they yeah. came in through the back door. I snuck in through the back door. And then I <laughs> we we started making our record. And um the producer Dave Johnson said, guys, I'm gonna take this demo out now. We're gonna I got a meeting in, in LA um next week with the record labels. Well, he came back. Well, how'd it go? Man, it didn't go well. Well, well what the fuck? Well, there's another white guy rapping and playing guitar. What? What the fuck? What? Yes. Well, what's his name? I don't know. Some guy named Beck. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, this was this was this. But again, this is this happened all at the same time. And it, it just, if you think back and relate to the outliers, it was the yeah. It was the time when the, the that was that first wave of like appropriation of hip hop, which now is widespread across all genres of music from country totally. to bluegrass to reggae yeah. and everything's yeah. yeah 
So that's it. Wow, man. Wow. What a trip. And so that, that first record, um, how did it do? And then was there any pressure from the label to sort of change your style or, you know, go more mainstream and, you know, how did that develop over your career? Um, I think, uh, you know, that's, inter- that's a good question. Cause for one thing, when we were signed in the early nineties, um, you know, like from, you know, probably 1990 to 2001, that was like the biggest, the record labels, right. Mm. Ruled the world. And yeah. the, the, the amount of money that they were generating and spending was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so it was the climax of the music business before, and then Napster came along uh-huh. and then everything crashed. Right. So, of but course. before then it was like, this shit was Royals. Right. Yeah. So like they had money and they were doing things, signing, they'd sign people for a tax write off, but they signed people as developing artists. Well, well yeah, what is right. the, what is the developing artist? Well, a developing artist means, Hey, look, you don't have a hit right now. <laughs> but you're doing something pretty interesting, and we hope and think you might get a hit one day, right? Yeah. So, like, people that got signed in my class as, like, developing artists, like Dave Matthews, Ben Harper, right. maybe Michael Michael Franti. I'm talking about guys that are still around. Yeah. But um, that was, like, my class and um, and the roots. Like, so, you know, eventually <laughs> we never really got a hit record yeah. we we have had a kind of a enjoyed a successful um long career and heavily yeah. based on like live touring and live performance but um yeah that was kind of the premise of us getting signed and we were developing artists so it's that's c- still developing <laughs> aren't we all it's a life it's a lifelong pursuit brother it yeah, never ends indeed. but that's the beauty of it i yeah. think you know like we were saying earlier like this has been a chance to reflect and pivot and just to take stock and like where have i not been paying attention or where, where are some areas of my life that still need development you know outside yeah. of music or your talents like it's, a, it's an opportunity to look at all angles um and you know a lot of people are doing the work and so that's it's amazing so i, I want to ask you about your relationship with your own creativity like in the beginning, it's like this natural phenomenon, but you, you enter a, a record deal and there's all sorts of external pressures. You're going on the road, you know, there's drugs, alcohol and broads, you know, all sorts of distractions. How did you maintain your level of creativity? And what would you say is your current relationship with creativity? How has it changed over time? Man, that's, that's another great question. Um, you know, um, songwriting was the catalyst. Um, and still still is the catalyst for everything uh as far as forward momentum and giving you like yourself a validation and a reason to show up on stage or to show up in a studio um but especially on stage and to to keep the old songs fresh yeah you have to have the new shit that you're passionate about that gives you that fire right yeah it gives you that euphoria and that purpose so um for me it's always been songwriting and um and and that's been the the catalyst for for every for everything for the urge to like i said earlier the song start writing songs found an outlet for the expression and that leads me to want to record them and that leads me to want to share that on stage 
and make people happy. And then when I boil down what's my mission on stage every night, it's a little different because that's that's not just about me, right? Mm-hmm. And my creativity, it's also about connecting and giving, uh, trying to lift people up. So what's my mission is to make people happy and to inspire them, mm-hmm. connect with them on stage every night. Um, so what, how did it keep going all those years? Well, I mean, you know, like I'm just a person and I kind of grew up into my, you know, you know, I grew up out, out on yeah. the road, you know? Um, yeah. so certainly pl- plenty of distractions, plenty of times where I was kind of lost, um, mm-hmm. or just a- always just trying to figure it out, made yeah. a ton of, ton of, business mistakes ton of personal <laughs> mistakes uh, haven't we all yeah you know <laughs> and but again like just the, the 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 one thing that always saved me was just being able to like when it's showtime to really night after night after night after night find that inspiration and that joy whether it's mm. you know meeting you guys right before for the first time and say, what are we going to play? And let's let it fly to, (laughs) to, um, you know, to, to, to any other performance I've done. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all about that, you know? Yeah, man. I I totally resonate with that, you know, and it's such a gift that, uh, I'm so grateful for to have that, you know, when, when I do step on stage and connect with an audience, it's just, it's, it's, it's another level, you know, and, but there are some times where you're not feeling it, you know, and I'm sure that's happened to you many times, like, you know, so how do you sort of overcome those nights where, you know, the band is off, you're not feeling it, whatever it is. Yeah. Like it, it just kind of comes back to it. I'm sure. And I'm sure you know this feeling as anybody that steps on stage, not even music related. Like, um, yeah, you know that you know you you you're lost, right? And, yeah. and you're gonna try and find yourself, but you're, you're trying yeah. to do it in front of people. Yeah, right. right? So, or, or you're scared. Mean, you're, you're vulnerable. Yeah. You're opening you're yourself vulnerable. up. Right? Totally, and and, and that's and that's like the after school. I call it the after school special thing. It's like some of the best nights are like that where you're like i i don't have I, I feel completely empty yeah. i i feel completely scared i don't want to play any of these songs that i have i'm yeah. not feeling anything and then but you're still gonna throw yourself into the fire and um and and something comes out you know because yeah. it has to so so yeah. i think that that's um and it's just kind of part of part of it is like and and you know it's like you gotta jump into it you just gotta jump in yeah totally and like you said you do end up summoning some strength some courage um from the depths of the well you know and it just comes out and and it the thing that super helps is when there's an audience there that can sort of give you a lift you know if they have some energy to give and you get sort of a little lifted from that and then you start that and it creates a positive feedback loop you know yeah. it's like everybody's lifting together but uh, there's I, other nights where yeah. you know you're feeling great and the audience isn't responding you right. know what i mean and it's right. like and you're like damn it, it goes, you're not feeling damn, this man. look at me right it's like how great <laughs> <I'm> i am <laughs> <laughs> no but i was gonna say another thing that that comes to mind is a comfort zone right like you know like um it's such an important thing to like continuously put yourself out of your comfort zone. 
right? Yes. I mean, um, whew, it's I actually, uh, I just had the experience last week. I was like musical guest with uh, Robert Randolph in Colorado. And um, <laughs> the, this dude, Nigel Hall, kept calling all these like uh, these old soul tunes and i had to all of a sudden learn all these cover tunes <laughs> some of them i'm not gonna lie like some of them i i stepped off the stage because i said look if i don't feel like i can add anything yeah i'm gonna step off and not ruin it <laughs> yeah but i did you know did put my again it was I, i'll tell you what it, it never got comfortable all week for me but just having that <laughs> week of like being out of my comfort zone it felt so great to just go play my acoustic show and be like, Oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, the, even, right. if, even if you don't have a break, even if you don't break through, uh, you're always kind of, even if you don't have a breakthrough when you're out of your comfort zone, when you come back to your regular comfort zone, yeah. you're going to be really appreciative and see it in a new totally. way. So that's totally. another important part about <clears throat> music and, um, and just life. Like just, I, I think about how that relates to surfing. I mean, totally. And it relates to everything. Like you said, it's a good metaphor for life is like, yeah. you need to, you know, ch continually be challenging, challenging yourself outside of your comfort zone. It, Cause it, that's where the growth happens, right? Does it get harder when, it, when you get older? That's a good question. It depends for surfing. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm just going to start long. How many times, yeah. have, how many times have you come out of the, of, of a session in the water and just said, that's fuck this. I'm never surfing again. Yeah, uh, more <laughs> more times than I'd like to admit, for sure. <laughs> and like, yeah, but I, I, with surfing though, it's like, dude, it's how can you complain? Especially here where I live, and you, you know where it, what it's like. It's like the water's so warm, it's beautiful, the sun is shining. Like you can have the worst fucking session ever, and it's still an amazing day. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you got to keep that sort of attitude of gratitude about it. Nah, for but, sure. But your question about going out of your comfort zone, I think it's, you know, it's, it's something that has to become a tool. It has to become part of your routine. It's like, if mm. you start to feel too comfortable in anything at any time in your life, that's the time it's like, okay, I gotta, gotta break out of this, you know? Cause that, like I said, when you go outside of your comfort zone, there is that vulnerability, which, which, um, prevents a lot of people from doing it because it's scary and it's uncomfortable, but that's where you learn about everything about yourself, about life, you know? So it's, it's so important to continually do that, I mm. think. And that kind of circles back to your, your songwriting. Like I know from my perspective, I wrote jingles for advertising you and did. I would find myself. Yeah. For like 20 years, that was my gig. Really? Cause it's so funny. Cause yeah. that, that, that opportunity presented itself almost, uh, when I first moved to Boston as a street musician, a guy I met at an open mic night did that. And I was like, yeah. I always thought about like a lot of songwriting as, as jingles. Yeah. Totally. So you actually, well, did you make any famous ones? Yeah. Well, famous is a relative term. I well, made money. Have I, heard, have I heard any of them? Like, Probably, but yeah, I couldn't sort of rhyme it off and you like, would remember what it is. The heartbeat I did, of America. Yeah. 
yeah, nothing like that. But I did get, I got one on the, I got a Bud Light on the Super Bowl. No, I got, you know, yeah, totally, dude. Like, I, that was the sort of peak of my career. That's amazing. But the, the, the funny thing about, um, the interesting thing about jingles is like when you talk about songwriting and the traditional sort of song, uh, pop songs, like three minutes, right? You got to tell the story in three minutes. With jingle writing, you got to tell the whole story in 30 seconds. Right. You know, so it really hones in your, your ability to tell that story. Like, there's no, there's no messing around. How did you get into that? So I was a musician, you know, in my teens playing in bands and shit. And then, you know, out of university, the, all the, the, uh, there was so much work in the film business in Toronto where I grew up that everybody was in the film business. So I was on set, you mm. know, as, in the art department for shooting commercials in Toronto for years. I'm oh, like, sure. wait a minute, who, who's making the music oh, for these things, okay. you know? And this is like in 2000, 99, 2000, like right when um, the technology, like Pro Tools was just becoming affordable. So I'm like, holy shit, I could actually start recording without 150 grand for a studio. Okay. Yeah, I can do it with 10 grand, wow. you know? Yeah. And so it's just sort of that confluence, like outliers, you know, like just, it was just that timing wow. was perfect where wow. I was at the developing and the technology price was coming down. So it's just, wow, it was wow. so lucky. And I had a great career. But what I was going to say is that I found myself later in my career falling into traps of comfort zones. You know, I was burnt out, yes, and kind of bored with it, but just doing the same thing over and over. And I was like, I wasn't growing is mm. part of the reason I got out of it, you know? So I was going to ask you, like, how do you keep it fresh? Like your creative process, your approach to songwriting, has it changed? Or is there is there some routine that you go through to get into the flow? Yeah, I mean, th this might sound a little weird and, and, uh, and, I, st and I don't know if... <laughs> <laughs> if I'm on the right path or not, but it's just, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't write unless I don't write unless like, you know, um, I don't wake up in the morning and, and say, Oh, I'm going to write a song. You know what I mean? I have right. my phone and if something wakes me up in the morning, I will sing it into my phone and right. there's hundreds of ideas or I, and I'll write it down. Right. But then I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait now till till I'm kind of ready. I, I, I'm also saying it's like in a point where I just dropped my my new record, which is Grammy nominated for the first time. I got my Grammy nomination. No shit. Yeah, really. This, this past Dude. Uh, February, my new record, G Love the Juice, got uh, nominated for Best Contemporary Blues Album. Holy shit! Congratulations, <laughs> Thank bro. You. I, yeah, that's epic. So. Um, that writing process was like um Keb Kebmo produced the record and we wrote the record right. together and um that was like such a cool experience of songs that like I wrote in, in my traditional way of like mm. you know really like writing sitting down and writing a song and then also writing in uh collaboration with someone on the spot yeah. going for it. Like in the studio, yeah. Like in the studio, like wow, put, putting up a beat. All right, cool. now pl play, play, play something on the guitar. Right. Okay, record it. Okay, so what are we doing here? And then yeah. the ideas just start flowing, right? Wow, um, epic. But like now, like be and this year's just been a weird year because, like I said earlier, like I was doing a lot of songwriting. I'm just gonna show you. I was doing a lot of songwriting uh, sessions. Like, you know, people were, you know, at, at my so my two guys I wrote with a lot was a 13-year-old kid from Philly <laughs> named, named Noah Gibney and a 
thirty something uh, year old kid from Philly who is a professional musician in Nashville. And so, like, dude, I filled this whole book this year writing songs. Wow. With my students. So I, I've written quite a lot of songs, um, including one I did. The, I hadn't done a session for a while. I did one with my drummer last night who had a nice thing called a Mississippi man drowned. Um, so I, so like I've, I've done a lot of writing this year, but yeah. it's the same. And it's all, and a lot of it is, it, it really is me. A lot of, a lot of the writing, but you know, it just, I guess I'm just kind of rambling because I don't really have a good answer, but how do I stay creative and fresh is yeah. to kind of like, I don't force myself to do it. And I'm only going to write yeah. from a pure place of inspiration when like, I feel like uh, it's time to write a song for the right reason. Yeah. Be- because of the <laughs> fact that I got a lot of records out now and the hardest thing for me to do right now, every night is to pick out which fucking songs to play and not play. And it's like a big yeah. thing. Cause I want to play right. like 50 tunes, but I can only play, you know, in, in a show before people start leaving, <laughs> you know, you can only play like 10 to 20 songs. Right. So yeah, it's a really tough thing and it's a frustrating sure. thing. It's a frustrating thing to like not play songs for a long time. So it's, it's a tough thing because I do think it like, so I've always said like songs, are like your kids, like, you know, yeah. some of them go on to be, have great success and some of them are fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, some of them you don't want to hear about it. And some of them are, are, you know, superheroes. So, um, but you love them all, right? Yeah. At least you love yes. them all for that moment that you wrote them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's not the most perfect metaphor, but somewhere in there. So long story short is, uh, I'm just playing, you know, like I play a lot of shows. So like, I yeah. feel like, uh, and even during this time, like doing the fucking zooms and the fucking lessons yeah. and then the live streams and then doing live shows. It's like, um, I'm kind of fulfilled. And now I'm also a different age, right? Yeah. I, I'm a right. family guy. And I got like, I got an older son. I got two little kids and Kelsey's pregnant again. So holy shit, dude! Congratulations! Thank you. Like, wow, I, it's I been a big year in the G Love yeah, House. It's been a big year. <laughs> but like, you know, like I, I don't. So the point is that, like, I don't. I'm just being honest. I don't practice my guitar. Yeah. I don't practice the harmonica. I play yeah. fucking shows. I don't. Right. I don't just. I'm not just gonna. I I don't have the time now, like I did when I was 25 and single. Um, yeah. to, to write, to just kind of like sit with my guitar for the three to eight hours a day is going to take you to like yeah. really write songs. So I'm either like playing gigs and now I'm packing my shit and unpacking my shit because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's nobody around or, yeah. or I'm like, uh, you know, hanging with my family. And now with yeah. the pandemic, we've got, um, 10 chickens, one rooster, three goats, Two dogs. I got so much shit running around here, Patrick. I gotta oh, fucking dude. like take care of everything. So like, I'm, that's awesome. I'm I'm like feeding the fucking goats and like <laughs> milking the fucking goat. I'm like I'm supposed to be practicing my fucking guitar. <laughs> pa- Papa G taking oh, care of business. Dude, it's, dude, it's, that's I don't awesome. even know what to say. Like I feel like yeah. 
I should practice. I should practice more. I should shed more. But luckily, I shedded a lot for a lot of years. So yeah, I don't know for sure. Say. Yeah. Well, here, here's a B part to that question then. So one of the questions I love to ask artists on the show is like, where does creativity come from? Like you, you said, you only write when you're inspired. And there's this anecdote that I like to recite, whether it's true or not, of John Prine, you know, rolling down the highway in LA one day and he gets this hit of inspiration from on high, like a song wants to come through. He's like, can't you see him fucking driving here, dude? You know, like <laughs> I can't write a song right now. It's like go bother Leonard Cohen, you know. <laughs> and this has definitely happened did, to me did before. Did he say that? Did Did he say I, that? I can't remember where I heard that. I, yeah, funny. but it sounds like a John Prine anecdote. <laughs> um, but it's happened to me before, where it's like the you know a song sort of appears in the ether, fully formed, and it's just my job to be the channel oh, and, and get it onto paper, right? Yeah. So, and, and but uh, there's other times where I'm you know. I got no ideas. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to write a song and I sit down and it comes a little more forcefully, but it does mm. come, you know? Yeah. So my, my question is where does creativity come from? Is it something that you create internally or is it something external that flows through you? Maybe it's a combination. What do you think? Right. Like, okay. So again, like another quote was like Keith Richards said it really well in his book, uh, which is a must read for any, Oh, it's epic. Creative. His autobiography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like, he's, he was just like, you know, you, you you have to be open. You're like a sponge, and you're just yeah. like kind of it's channeling through you, right? Like life, yeah. and, and and you have to be ready to catch those moments right when they totally. come with the necessary tools, whether it's paper or your fucking yeah. recording or whatever's going to be. Yeah. Um, you can't miss those because they just like and and the songs that you dream, yeah, and so but. And kind of coming back to my point of, of not doing too much musical work right now when I'm yeah. not on the stage, and this is maybe a detriment, is the fact that it does require that work. It's like if you compare it to the martial arts, right? It's power and repetition, right? Yeah. So you do these katas over and over again, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, um, and and you, you do that so that, it's like, you know, all right, let's be fun. Let's take it back to the karate kid. Wax on, wax yeah. off, right? But then <laughs> why am I fucking doing this over and over and over yeah. again? Well, paint the fucking fence. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm not fucking doing it. Today. No, you're going to fucking keep painting the fence. All right, now look, so I'm going to punch you. Oh, paint the fence. Okay, right? Uh -huh, so it's uh -huh. like, so you do the power repetition so that those moments do come, which exactly. is like those songs just coming out like thin air. And. The thing is that the best songs are the ones that come the easiest that you just yes. literally like. Yeah. Cause it, it only takes that sticky thing and, and you need to find that and you, and to your point, like you're going to sit down and write a song, but you're going to kind of force it there. Yeah. You have to go through those times as a songwriter to like, bang your head against the wall trying to write a shitty song and not yeah. being willing to just say oh, you know what fuck this shitty song this is everything about it is forced and it sucks but i'm yeah. you know i'm still gonna finish it yeah uh, and then you know you were right it sucks yeah. and it's forced <laughs> but <laughs> that banging your head against the wall got something loose up there so that that other great song just spilled right out you know exactly I mean? yeah. you know yeah there's a there's a metaphor i think uh ed sheeran said you got to turn on the tap and let you know when you first turn on the tap there's like this dark brown water that comes out you got to okay. let it flow until you get to the clear water you know the uh, real goods right and that's right. exactly what you're describing you know you got to let those shitty songs come out yeah. to make room for the the, the great ones uh, uh, but when when you do get that hit go ahead no i was gonna say like uh, another 
uh, great thing to do is to write with other people, yeah. even though uh, I, I, I've struggled with this too, because like songwriting to me, especially like for the first 20 years of writing songs, like really a solo endeavor, like locking yeah, yourself alone, really yeah. getting in touch with what you're trying to say and writing in collaboration is a lot different. It's like a lot lighter. It's quicker. Mm. Uh, a guy that I wrote with a lot over the years is, is a guy, a wonderful producer and artist, Cisco Adler. Oh, right. Yeah, I know him. And he's so cool to work with. Um, he's like just vibes so hard. And um, mm. and one thing I, I like about working with him, if we, if we ever get caught up, and it could be on a line, a word. Or even mm. just the whole song. It's like once once he senses that that creative spark has kind of diminished mm. or completely gone away, it's like shut it down, move, move, let's move on. on. Yeah, right. let's move on just to another part of the song or another song altogether. Either, both. Either, just like yeah. don't get caught up. Just like keep yeah. it flowing. So back to that point of like banging your head against the wall. I don't yeah. do that shit anymore. Yeah. You know I mean? So if, <laughs> you've done it if, enough if, already. If it's not happening, yeah. just move on. Don't get yeah, caught up. Totally. Totally. So, dude, in your 28 years of being on the road, you must have seen a lot of shit and learned a lot of lessons and met a lot of people, you know? So, like, what are some of the biggest life lessons you've learned on the road and from from whom? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, the the thing that pops into my mind is like, you know, it's just, you know, you have to, and surely you can relate, like, kind of just from an outsider seeing a journey you've been on the past couple of years yeah. um, with mindfulness and sobriety, right? Yeah, um, totally. Just um, kind of like uh, finding a routine, right? Yeah. Um, keeping your health up, like, getting extra, yeah. like, to be on the road so consistently, like, your health is everything, right? So totally. Uh, what do you need to do to show up every day? And and um, so, like, a, if we were touring, like my regular day would be like, I try to sleep because the, my job is late at night. Um, yeah. I I try to sleep as much as I can. So don't I don't try and wake up early. I try to sleep yeah. as late as I can. Stay in my bunk. I got rest my voice. Right. The voice is everything. Okay, so <clears throat> got to make sure the vocals rested. Get up, you know, have like my morning, you know, whatever. I, actually, I have like the subscribe to like Tim Ferriss's like the four hour body. Like, so trying to have like yeah. 30 grams of protein. Um, so I generally do that with like a protein powder and also powdered mm. like greens. That's my base because cool. I can have that home and i can have that in a hotel and i can always yeah. have that i'm gonna worry about breakfast because yeah. it's two scoops harry yeah. fucking night all right so two <laughs> scoops 30 grams of protein and all the greens you know that a, a, a person would need for like a whole day even though i love to eat nice. greens anyhow. yeah but um and then i like to hit the gym or get some kind of exercise you know take care of my business and then it's sound check followed yeah. by like uh, a main meal of like real yeah. food and, and try and make it as healthy as possible. Um, and then a nap 
and then I wake up, I do, uh, I do a meditation. Um, nice. I generally use like the, you know, I use this app called Headspace, which I'm sure oh, a lot yeah, of people use this year, which to me totally really like has changed my life. Um, and awesome. then, and then I do a vocal warm up with my vocal coach, like, um, either I was either on zoom or on a telephone. Mm. So I was actually my, my, my old vocal coach passed away, uh, oh, right man. at the end of right before COVID hit, she was an older woman and, um, her name was Donna Newman and she, we would talk every day on the phone. So it was, it was really sad, but I, I, I got a new teacher since then. And, um, her name is Amanda Flynn. The only reason I bring it up is because she, she's like, have you ever heard of this app called zoom? I want you to download this app because that's a platform I use to teach. So I was like using Zoom for a month before the pandemic hit. So when the pandemic hit, I motherfucker. I was like, I'm ready to go. Uh, Zoom. Oh, fuck. You should have brought stock. But um, yeah, so do a vo- vocal warm up. And then, you know, then it's, you know, go out. Make, I make my set list. And then it's showtime. So, so I think your set lists are like a, a piece of art too, right? I've seen a bunch of your set yeah, lists. Like yeah. you do it with with meaning. You know, you put your heart into that shit. Yeah, like it. It's funny because my set lists are like you know my hand drawn set list. Um, yeah, they technically are art, I guess you could say, yeah. because I sell them. Uh, and <laughs> there I've you go. Sold hundreds of them. Um, but I, again, it was like not. That's not why I made them at first. Yeah, I just always I used to write graffiti, so I always I like to like scribble and scrabble and um i'd always make my set list which i never would follow anyhow but i'd make it <laughs> and then i said it's is, is pretty cool looking let me um let me and then instagram came out so i started taking pictures so if you go to hashtag right. g love set list there's yeah i've I've posted over like 600 nice hand-drawn set lists up there so um but that's awesome. part of my routine again to like center myself yeah. before hitting the stage so yeah those are some of the things awesome dude i love all of that so you mentioned meditation and headspace like what do, what has meditation how has it benefited you like if somebody else that maybe a musician or anybody really like i'm a big meditation fan it's changed my life as well so i'm just interested in what your experience has been like with it yeah i had a terrible breakup um and just a terrible relationship um although i didn't realize it was terrible when i was in it i just was <laughs> constantly heartbroken and <laughs> jealous and yeah wondering why things weren't going well ha! yeah we'll talk about this now <laughs> but, sure, uh, brother. but um it really spawned me out like you know and i'm sure a lot of people out there have had times you know nothing can spin you out of your life like a terrible relationship um whatever that means to you yeah so um and you know on again off again breakup type of shit so i was really spun out and in a really bad place for some number of years um trying to make this thing work well finally it didn't work and my wife and uh, my wife kelsey she got pregnant um and we had our first son lewis and it was around that time that, um, and I was still spun out, just honestly. And I hope mm-hmm. she doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> and she won't. But, <laughs> but uh, she, she, you know, I was spun out. But I, um, 
dude, again, like coming back to that Tim Ferriss uh, podcast, uh, yeah. he always has like interesting sponsors and Headspace is one of the sponsors. So there was a thing cool. that they said 10 for 10. So you use the app, you could do 10 meditations for 10 minutes a day for 10 days in a row and see yeah. how you feel. So I said, you know, I feel like shit up here yeah. and in here. And, um, and I got this beautiful baby and a beautiful woman that wants to, that loves me and I can't see past mm -hmm. this other shit. So I did the 10 for 10 day meditation challenge and it fucking like, I felt like I really snapped out of that. And I was wow. like, literally like, yeah. it helped me to find something, uh, some peace and clarity. And, and yeah, so I, I kept doing it. And then, and then I, and then I used it, I used it, um, mostly for show days because again, like I, I'm kind of a nervous person and getting on stage required a bit of stage fright. And I want to kind of find something to, I found that meditation before a show like helps me to, again, center, find yeah. more space, totally. which, which we need in music to like yeah. let things unfold. And yeah, it kind of, it quiets the noise of your mind, yeah. you know, where you can tap into that essence of creativity and like where you, the shit you really want to deliver in and create from and yeah. express from, yeah. you know, rather than creating from the noise or the, you know, the fear or the whatever is going on in your head. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Beautiful dude. Wow. Amazing. G love. This has just been so good to connect with you <laughs> again, brother. I miss you, man. I miss you too, man. I miss, <laughs> our, I miss our uh, annual gig. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, hopefully that's going to happen again real soon. Yeah. Uh, last time I saw you, I remember in Denver, um, uh, right. I think it was July 2019. Uh, yeah. You were playing a gig there. That's yeah. Right. And you debuted, you debuted the Juice, okay. like the, the single, <laughs> yeah. as the encore. Oh, and you played okay. it acoustically. And I was like, fuck, oh, dude, yeah. that's, a, that's a great song. It's a hit. And now you got a Grammy nomination. That's oh, epic, thank man. Thank you. Yeah. Epic. That's uh, do you feel like playing a song right now? Do you, would you be up for it? Uh, sure, I can um that would be I'll, it i'll play the juice um i was just gonna say um just back to that back to the power of songs because i yeah. meant to say this earlier was like or some something that we were talking about was um you know like the new that's what it was like the new material like for me even though this song the juice now i've been working on it for since 2016 and it is released now and i but to me the, the, to me the, this song is like everything about um the reason that i'm i'm able to get on stage and mm. and play all the other tunes i often have felt in the past couple of years like it's i'm playing all those other songs so that i could play this one Wow, and that's cool. the power of like new material when yeah. you really feel like connected, and it's something that you're saying that you just wrote that you care about right now. So yeah, uh, epic. So you caught me off guard. I wasn't, I wasn't expected to play, but you're gonna say you play a song. What am I gonna say? Nah, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. This is gonna be epic. I'm so excited. And I got, oh, and it's actually in there. Let me just um. Let me just tune. Uh, yeah, man. Take your time. Yeah. It's, so we got a Grammy nomination, but you know, the Grammys got pushed back to March. So I won't find out whether I win. 
<laughs> oh shit, man! It's just the hugest honor of, of my life to be just to be considered it, and and actually like, you know, just speaking uh you know, on anything like, again, like just we're talking about like a lot of like stuff in life, like manifesting and yeah, purpose and everything. Like that was when, when I sat down with Kebmo on our first day in the studio. Before he started working, he's like, "Gee, what, what do you want to do here?" And I was yeah. like, "I want to get a Grammy." And Keb, <laughs> seriously, yeah. And Ke- Keb's won five Grammys, right? So holy shit, it was that was part of like talking about like going with a, a coach, like a mentor who who's, yeah. who has who's been through the process, who has achieved multiple times that that success. Yeah. Now look, man. You don't need a Grammy to, to most musicians are not going to get a Grammy and, and most, and a lot of uh, the best musicians in the world and the best records that we all know and love in the world never got Grammys or anything. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't say everything about anything, but if you do want to get a Grammy, you should work with someone that's got a Grammy before or. I, I guess that's the point. It's like, it's just knows what it, it takes. I guess and, processes, you know, and and then setting the intention, like you said about manifestation, like you're, yeah. you're announcing to the universe is this is my intention yeah. with this record. So that energy gets infused into the process, yeah. you know, yeah. good for you, man. Fucking a, Fuck I, I'm, I, I you're going to win that shit. I'm going to win that shit. <laughs> I'm going to win that shit. <laughs> All right. So here's the juice. Nice brother. Woo. G love, ladies and gentlemen, the juice. I'm going to take my headphones off. Oh. <laughs> Ready, Blue Bear? Here we go. No more lies about that. No, hold on a second. You still can fuck shit up even though you're Grammy nominated. say jam alone but you know there's that slight delay i know it's the latency dude can't do it <laughs> no more lies about this no more lies about that no more ace if you sleep they just lay your cards flat see how feet set it rough when the struggle is tough bad news on the news every day is enough it's enough to make up people turn around and leave but how about we march in the street because we're free raise our fists in the air because we don't care single cares we do we got the juice we got the love, we got the dreams, we won't give up, we won't give up, we are the change, we are the change, we had enough, we had enough, we got the juice, got the juice, time's up, time's up, divided you fall, united we rise, up in order to see through all these tears in our eyes, and why do we cry, teardrops they stain, like Cat Stevens, we ride the peace train, don't let us be real, must be insane in your brain, so warming you cannot remain. We need positive change. We will not regress. Power to the peaceful, we must progress. 
We got the juice. We got the love. We got the love. We got the dreams. Got the dream. We won't give up. We won't give up. We are the change. We are the change. We had enough. We had enough. We got the juice. We got the juice. Time's up. Let's get loose, baby. Let's get lifted. Something's going on now, and you sure don't want to miss it. No. And you can feel it in the streets, from your toes to your feet. From sea to shine and see. Hit up with a full power beat. sign a petition you've got to get out and vote don't stand down stand up and look here this is a letter but also a song and if something ain't right then it must be dead wrong for the birds and the bees and the ocean and the trees and every single person's sanity humanity is all of us all colors and all kinds now we want world peace and just a little peace of mind. We don't need no more wars. We don't need no more guns. We need a better world now for our daughters and sons. We got the juice. We got the juice. We got the love. We got the love. We got the dreams. We got the dreams. We won't give up. We won't give up. We all the change. We are the change. We had enough. We had enough. We got the juice. We got the juice. Time's up. Time's up. Time's up. Yes, baby. (laughs) Garrett Dutton, a.k.a. G-Love. Thank you so much, brother. It's been such a pleasure. Grammy-nominated album, The Juice. Baby on the way. Man, (laughs) it's good to see you and hear you thriving during some challenging times, man. Thank you so much for your time today. You too, Patrick. It's great to see you. And, uh, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, brother. This is amazing. Let's keep in touch. Yeah, I want to keep this going. Keep the fire going. And, yeah, all the best, man. All the best. Right on, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you real soon. Okay. Thanks again. Peace, brother. See you. Peace. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being. Being.